any of your content planning documents or strategy documents is add a section called what's the empathy filter and list in what are those reasons that this is going to matter because cognitive empathy is that ability to understand like how a person feels or what they may be thinking. You can be informed through a lot of great data and listening and understanding of what's going on in the world to help better connect. Welcome to the Simple Brand Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you create simple experiences for your customers and for your team members. Each week, we're bringing you amazing interviews with business leaders and authors who will teach you how to differentiate your business with the one thing your customers need the most, simplicity. Your customers live in a complex world. Let's make it simple. Now here's your host, Matt Lyles. Helping you create loyal customers and loyal employees all through the power of simplicity. This is the Simple Brand Podcast, now heard around the world, including Dublin, Ireland. I'm your host, Matt Lyles, and this week I'm talking with Sarah Panous. Sarah's a brand storytelling strategist, and she's the owner of Kindred Speak Consulting, where she helps communicators and content marketers create more meaningful connections with their customers all through the power of empathy-driven brand storytelling. And Sarah's the host of the Marketing with Empathy podcast. Listen, you've likely heard or you've read about how valuable storytelling is in your content, but a lot of marketers like to just throw the term storytelling around today without really knowing how to use storytelling well. Sarah and I talk about the common mistakes that most marketers make when they attempt storytelling. And we talk about the right ways to use storytelling in your content in a way that actually resonates and connects with your customers. And she's got a pretty simple framework that helps you do just that. So here it is. Here's my interview with Sarah Panous. Hey, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. Super excited to be here. Yes, this is exciting and fun for a number of reasons. Uh, one, I think we're, well, kindred spirits, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> and then two, I think we're also on somewhat similar journeys. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you've been on your entrepreneurial journey for a couple of years now. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Two years. Just just celebrated two years to start. Um, created my um, brand storytelling consultancy the end of 2019, right before COVID blew up. There you go. I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. Well, can you walk me through your journey? Walk me through what drove you to your current venture. Yeah, definitely. So I'm a brand storytelling strategist. And what I do is I help corporations and more specifically, like the content marketers that are inside of those corporations, build um, brand storytelling strategies and help them figure out how to actually connect heart to heart, mind to mind with their audiences. Um, And I love to focus on like storytelling, editorial storytelling at that upper funnel. So I talk about how do you attract those upper funnel leads that are going to drive those lower funnel results. And what got me here is like, I have such a passion for like connections and helping humanize brands to better connect with their audiences. Um, because I think that brands have such a incredible opportunity. I think we have such they have such an incredible like responsibility because of their size and their budgets and their reach and and the influence that they could have to better help their audiences. And like what got me here is like my whole career, I've spent the last 20 years 
working on like digital storytelling in some way. So when I first started out, I was um, the communications manager for a wedding gown designer in New York City and got to work like one-on-one with all these retailers that were um, selling the designer's dresses that I worked for. And so it was B2B with like 70 different accounts all over the U.S. It was really cool because I got to deal with a lot of different personalities (laughs) across the U.S. And that was amazing and planning fashion shows and dealing with like, you know, the, the bridal magazines and websites and things like that. But then um, moved from New York City into Boston. And then I worked at an integrated marketing agency. And as you do on the agency side, work with a lot of different clients and brands. My focus has always been more on like, like CPG brands. And so I spent a lot of time with Nestle Waters, Starbucks, Lint Chocolate, and um, did some cause branding work with the American Heart Association. That was really some of my biggest clients. And then met my husband out east, and he actually brought me back to my home state of Minnesota because um, he went back for his PhD and got into the University of Minnesota. So we came back here to Minnesota, which is where I'm from. I did like a full circle. That's when I started going into corporate, and I spent the majority of my career in the corporate side. So I spent 12 years in-house at Sleep Number, which is a billion-dollar sleep wellness retailer. They have Sleep Number smart beds and bedding products. So I was there for 12 years, wore a lot of different hats, growing specifically PR manager. And then I started and grew their whole social team and program for nine years, growing it from like $0 budgets up to $10 million budgets and the leading ROI generator of the company, which was fun to see, you know, that growth. And I got completely burnt out on social and was able to start a new role within the company as the leader of content marketing strategy. And so with that, I did editorial storytelling, like with the company's blog and also influencer marketing, and then just really helping the company figure out like what I do now, which is helping think about that storytelling Um, lens and that funnel to help really truly connect. And so I think like all my background of like my roots are in PR and then I did all this social work, right? So you're listening to the voice of the customer through social and then SEO has been scattered throughout. So I just love the insights from all of that has really led me to where I'm at today. And it's kind of like what makes me me um, that putting all those pieces together. And so now run my own um, consulting biz called Kindred Speak. So I agree. We are kindred spirits. I really think we are too, where I just love of helping like companies speak that kindred language with their audiences through these storytelling strategies. Well, that's it. And, and I love hearing about your journey because I can see how along the way, all these little things that you would pick up that kind of come into and build into what you teach today, uh, especially, and, and I, didn't, I didn't realize this until just now, especially in the cause marketing side. You said you were with mm-hmm. the American Heart Association. Was that right? Yeah, in the past. Yeah. They were a client right. of mine when I worked yep. in Boston. Yeah. So all of that plays into what can drive like the overall storytelling strategy, and you know how to teach brands how to do storytelling right. Because, you know, storytelling has been really popular for a handful of years now, maybe even more. And a lot of people tend to throw the term storytelling around a lot. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times I think brands or people inside brands will throw that term around, not really knowing exactly what they're talking about when it comes to brand storytelling. So tell me, how do you define brand storytelling? Yeah, good question. So there are a lot of different stories your brand can tell, 
right? So I love to focus on like the editorial side of storytelling. What it comes to with storytelling is the root is when you're a brand and you're telling stories, the hero of the story is not your company. The hero of the story is maybe your customers, a partner, it's your benefactors, like it's what your company helps make possible. That's the hero headline. And then your company is like that supporting character. They're the ones that helped make it possible because of whatever you, the product or the service that you offered, right, to to that person, to that group. Like the guide. Exactly. And so when I think about storytelling and for editorially, it's like, okay, well, what are your main storytelling pillars? What do you want to focus on as a company? And then how do you help communicate that to your audience to help them through non-promotional stories? It's really those things that through a lot of research and you start to uncover, well, what are those key points that are those connection points between the brand and your customer base? Like I said, like connecting heart to heart, mind to mind. And it's a combination of pairing empathy and data together. And that really helps you get those insights through those stories. So stories can be in any format too. So stories can be longer form blog content. They could be videos, short and long. They can be infographics. They can be like explainer, animated graphic type illustrations, you know, things like that. I don't really focus on the format because that will be decided based on what the story is you want to tell, but it's that underlying motion of like, what is those parallels to your company that can help your audience that still will tie back and help the customer understand who you are as a brand and what you care about and how you can help them. Well, and so one thing you said, and I appreciate you saying this, was that it's not about promotions. So storytelling Mm -hmm. is not advertising. Storytelling is not pushing a product. Storytelling is about how you can connect with your audience, whoever that audience is based on your storytelling pillar. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when you have people outside of the storytelling realm trying to weigh in and say, well, we need to be pushing this product. We need to be pushing this latest campaign, this latest promotion. Otherwise, you know, our storytelling is not valuable. So mm-hmm. why do you say that brand storytelling in the way that you define it, why is brand storytelling valuable? Definitely. It is so incredibly valuable for a multitude of reasons. One, in my last 20 years, I've seen firsthand how it drives like leading results like ROI for the company. So that's first and foremost. But if you pair that with like a lot of things that are going on, like I think brands are the new editor in chief. I really do because traditional newsrooms are shrinking, but branded content teams and functions in general are growing. Statistics are showing people or companies are adding more to their teams. And like I said before, brands have that audience, that the resources, the ability to scale and help build that trust and loyalty with their audience through storytelling. And then emotionally, when you look at it, customers are really craving human connections right now. So in the US, the CDC had this stat of almost half, it was 41% of adults now have anxiety or depressive disorder symptoms, which is really disturbing, right? And youth mental health is even worse. And the stats are just abounding all the time about how people are feeling more isolated and lonely and misunderstood. And stories are a great way to help forge like more of that human connection, like from a brand perspective, this faceless entity to make it actually more humanized and helpful to help these audiences 
that are isolated and lonely and misunderstood. Um, Stanford has a great stat that shows that stories are 22 times more memorable than facts and figures alone. So as a company, when you're going out there and it's just rooted in like stories go back to like biblical times. I mean, this is how right. information was shared and and things were remembered and taught. It's been through stories. And it's kind of like when you hear a great story, you remember that story. You're not going to necessarily remember the number, or the details yeah. and all the facts and figures, but you remember like the story. And I think there's that and there's like, you know, ad blockers are like way high. I think like 80% of Americans are using ad blockers. So if you're having ads, there's a big chance that they're not seeing it. Same here. Right. You do. So yeah. And there's like such a big attention issue because there's so much competition online for everyone sharing all the things. And so quality content can be that thumb stopper. It can really help get someone sucked in. Cause I, I always think like, you know, you hear, oh, we have an, the attention span of a goldfish or less than a goldfish, right? We've heard that stat, but we don't have that problem when it's good content. Cause like yeah. how many of us have binged an entire like Netflix series or watched, yeah. like I've actually watched like a 20 minute video on Facebook once. Cause it was really good. 20 minutes. I know that's not the norm, but it was really good. So the thing is, it's like, we need that quality content to help break through and to drive that connection, that loyalty with our audience space. And like, you know, obviously there's so much content. So our competition is definitely investing in content. So you, as a brand, can't ignore that opportunity to really connect with your audience base. And I hear that, uh, that statement before too, you like, you know, how, and, and I've used it as well, how people have the attention span of a goldfish at mm-hmm. the same time, Saturday night, I think we watched either four or five episodes of Cobra Kai back to back. I did too. It's so good, isn't it? <laughs> I know. So I it, it. It, it is binge worthy and it holds my attention at the same time. I think that, you know, to your point, everyone is so distracted. Everyone has so many things competing for their attention that you've got to be able to quickly grab someone's attention. And Mm -hmm. as soon as someone sees, oh, brand, oh, promotion, promotional message, unless it's something very specific that they're looking for, if they're looking for that promotion, if they're not looking for that, then they're out. So Mm -hmm. that's why it's so important to be able to grab someone's attention really quickly. And once you grab it, if the content resonates, then you can hold their attention for however long. Totally. I mean, it's a, I think about brands that I follow and that I use and email is a great example. So there's tons of emails in your inbox. Email is a great way to communicate with your audience, but it can be done very poorly and very non-human-y, right? It's just like, sale, here's the message and click here. There's a place for that in the funnel. But I know for me, like on one of my favorite brands um, from an email marketing perspective, because they use storytelling so well is this clothing company out of New York called MM LaFleur. And I've had them on my show to talk through kind of like their process. But every single time I get an email from MM LaFleur, I open it and I read it which is not the same for every other brand email that I get. I'm not unsubscribing and they do such a beautiful job with incorporating storytelling and their beliefs and understanding their audience into their emails that there's so much value. And then, yeah, they're like inserting their clothes and things within the storylines, but it's definitely not, it doesn't turn me off. It's done so incredibly well. And it's a great example of, I'm sure, I don't know what their open rates are for their emails, but I'm going to guess that they're very high. Oh, I would imagine so. Very cool. Now, you may not purchase from every single email, 
but you're engaged. Yes, 100%. And I was even so engaged, right, that I reached out to them and invited them onto my show. Because I was like, I think you're one of the best in class examples of your email marketing. It's changed a little bit over the last few months. They had some turnover, I've noticed, um, with staff. And so I think the quality isn't as good as it used to be. But still, um, I think they're doing such a great job of you feel like the editor, like it's a human talking to you in their emails versus just promoting a weekend sale of clothes. Well, and that's what it's about. You know, I mean, yep. with what you said around like where things are today with people and some of the stats from the CDC, we are craving more and more human interaction. And it's good to be able to get like real human interaction. At the mm-hmm. same time, we want anything that is interacting with us, whether it's a brand or a company, to make us feel like we're a human and make us feel like we're interacting with another human being. Yeah. I mean, great example, because sometimes I hear from brands will reach out to me and they're like, well, what if we have a boring product? (laughs) And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, that's bummer. You think your product's boring, but I get what they mean because there's some things that aren't quite as sexy, right? right? But I think about it and I think, well, look what Dove has done with their Dove Beauty campaign. I mean, Dove was soap. And like body, like wash and shampoos and stuff. That's not sexy, but they've done such a good job of tapping into like female self-confidence and empowerment and helping you just feel good about the skin you're in in just a brilliant storytelling way. I mean, there's like campaign after campaign of that is so smart. That really makes you feel like, wow, okay, they resonate with me. Like the audience they're reaching, right, can say that is then going to be like the soap that I'm going, the body wash that I'm going to buy. That's a great example. I always think of saying, well, I don't think soap's body wash is really sexy, but they have made it such an emotional connection because they've tied it into a cause and, and a topic, a storytelling pillar that they really care about. Yeah. And for anyone that thinks, oh, my product is boring, That's okay, because if you're doing brand storytelling the right way, it's not going to be about your product. Mm -hmm. It's going to be about your customer. It's going to be about your audience and recognizing their goals and challenges and what they want to be able to do and then how you're able to help them meet those goals and challenges. Mm -hmm. Totally. It's not about the product. So it's okay Mm -hmm. if it's boring. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because if it's doing something good and helping them and you're telling those stories, then it's going to be interesting to your audience. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's it. Well, we've talked earlier before the interview about our previous careers. And I've seen this in my previous career. I hear about it from others who experience this, especially once you're in larger and larger organizations. You've always got so many different teams, leaders, stakeholders weighing in on your storytelling, saying that, uh, you know, uh, they're weighing in on how a story should be told or what story should be told. And that can get pretty complex. (laughs) Thankfully, you've developed a framework that helps simplify all of this. Talk Mm -hmm. to me about your framework. Yeah, so you're spot on. And anyone listening, I'm sure, is nodding their heads. That's very familiar with this process um, because there can be times even when you have a plan and ad hoc things are going to come flying at you and you're like, where is this coming from? So just through my career, I've created this method called the FED method, F-E-D. And I think about it like just like our bodies need like three things to really operate at our best. We need food, exercise, and sleep right? To like do our best. I think your content plans need these three things to do their best too. And it's why um, I find that the most effective content plans have this foundation of um, focus, empathy, and data. That's what FED stands for. 
And so I can talk through what like FED stands for. So F stands for focus. So this is great with your approach on simplicity. I 100% agree. Nothing is going to derail you, make you feel overwhelmed and confused faster than having way too many things to try to talk about and have all of the things. And so with focus, what I recommend is from a storytelling perspective is just to focus on three storytelling pillars. And really think about, well, what are those three main kind of storytelling umbrellas that all of your stories throughout the whole year are going to ladder up under? And if somebody comes to you then with an idea that falls outside of those three things, you either don't do that story because it doesn't make sense for your brand, or you modify the idea to make it fit into one of the storytelling pillars. This is really going to impact you by It's going to impact your budgets, your time, your teams, your sanity by getting any results because you're going to be much more focused at what the brand cares about. And with this whole fed method, like with your storytelling pillars, obviously, once you've identified them and you want to merchandise the heck out of them, get all the senior leader alignment that you possibly need with anyone. So everyone's on the same page. And then I like to send out like it's just one slide. Like here's our three storytelling pillars. It's the name, it's the description and some examples of the types of stories. And anytime something comes up that's outside of it, you can always just go back to it. Oh, yeah, remember our three storytelling pillars are this. So I would tweak that idea in this way, or oh, it doesn't really fit. Like, what are you thinking? You know, it just gives you that foundation to be able to come back to. So focus is the first part. I always like to think about storytelling pillars as like there's usually two obvious ones and then a third kind of wild card. And so oh. I like the wild card in the mix because it's like what makes your business different from your competitors? What is that? kind of different thing. So like, for example, when I was working with Sleep Number, that wild card was sleep science, very smart beds, technology driven, all sorts of data and insights to help you understand your product versus like other mattresses that just lay there and don't do anything, right? So the science aspect and all the research they're doing with like the Mayo Clinic and things like that, that's like a differentiator for Sleep Number. Or like for my own personal brand, something that's different about me is chi- is a category I call child trafficking. So I actually donate a portion of all of my profits to help fund um, child trafficking rescue missions. This amazing nonprofit called IJM. It's very, very um, near and dear to my heart as a mother and just, it just can't, just sickens me. And so like, but that's different, right? It's something that I do talk about in my content mix that maybe another brand storytelling strategy doesn't because that does, isn't like their thing. So I always love to have that third thing be a little bit of a wild card. Like that's you. It's a little different. So that's focus. And then the E stands for empathy. So I call it empathy filters. And this is really the way you start getting into that heart to heart, mind to mind is when you compare empathy and then the D, which is data. So With empathy, I specifically talk about like cognitive empathy. So that is by definition, just like your ability to understand like how a person's feeling or what they might be thinking. And so that mindset is the way as marketers that we can relate info in a way to our audience that's going to best reach that person. I have like four different types of empathy filters that are really good prompts for folks listening as you're thinking, well, what do I want to do? So the first one is data-informed empathy. So this is an example of like when you're looking at data and you see like 46% of our audience has high school-aged kids living at home. Like that's data. It's a fact. It's a stat. So you're getting that and you're understanding, okay, well, they're parents. They have high school-aged kids. Okay, that's we're starting to understand our audience in this way. 
Next one is SEO informed empathy. I love SEO. It's one of my favorite data sources, but SEO can tell you a lot more because what people are searching for and typing in. And so this Uh insight would be like an example would be, there's a large volume of people that are searching for ways to better communicate with their teenagers. So now you're starting to get feel like, okay, they, they're having communication issues. They need help like talking with their teen. That's different than just the stat of like they have the teens. Now you're kind of getting the feel right. for like they won't need help communicating and they're searching for this. Then there is human informed empathy filters. And these are like shared feelings that we can relate to with each other. My favorite that I always talk about is how I always pick the slowest checkout line at the grocery store, like unintentionally, but I feel like I'm always like standing in line and everyone around me is going faster. And I'm like, oh, I wish I would have picked that line. How'd that happen again? I know. It's like, what what are we doing wrong here? Or um, another one that I saw Spotify did a great ad campaign around was the insight of people that stay waiting in their car until like the end, this great song finishes. Like there's a great song <laughs> on the radio and they're like, don't want to leave. And this to- Right. And so yeah. they did this whole amazing content campaign around these like just hilarious moments of people not getting out of their car until like the end of the song ended, you know, and it was brilliant. And cause again, that's a human informed empathy filter. Wow. Right. And then the last one I like to think of is um, nostalgia. So nostalgia informed empathy and nostalgia is incredibly powerful empathy filter. So these are things that are like key life moments and experiences that people go through at the same time. So COVID is going to be a great example of, you know, a lot of us going through COVID at the same time together and what that was like. But it's things like people living through the same decade or having the same favorite toy or cartoon that they used to watch when they were a kid going through a crisis together, like 9-11, like, and talking about where you were at in that moment. But like, that's nostalgia marketing. It's why you see, like, you mentioned Cobra Kai, right? Cobra Kai is great nostalgia right. for all of us that watched Karate Kid originally. And now we want to see, well, yeah, what are they up to now that they're adults? That's nostalgia marketing. That's smart. Like bringing back these like remake shows later. So you can kind of tap into that same audience in the future, you know, when they're all older. So those are like the four types of empathy filters I like to look at. Did you know that in addition to my podcast and my articles, I speak to audiences all over to help them simplify their customer experience and simplify their employee experience. I've spent the last few years leading a crusade of simplicity across the globe. If you want a winning brand, you have to provide a simple experience to your customers and to your team members. Whether it's a live event or a virtual event, I'd love to partner with you and teach your audience how to do just that. With over a decade in marketing, I know how to hook and captivate an audience. And as a speaker, I know how to connect with the audience. Along with my lessons, I use stories and humor to keep everyone engaged and inspired. Then they leave with the knowledge and next steps to transform their business. As an event planner, you're managing lots of details to give your audience the most memorable event. The last thing you need is a speaker who will make your event memorable for all the wrong reasons. Not only will I leave your audience energized and inspired, I'll make it easy for your team to work with me. Hey, if I've built my brand around simplicity, then you know I'm going to make it simple for you. When you visit mattliles.com slash speaking, you'll find everything you need to know, including details on my topics, promotional materials, and most importantly, 
a link to connect with my team so we can book your event. So visit mattliles.com slash speaking. I can't wait to help your audience brand out from the crowd. So thinking of nostalgia and Cobra Kai, Netflix also Stranger Things. We didn't grow up with these characters and we're not revisiting them again. But so many people like myself, you know, being in Gen X, like I was alive in the 80s. So I was in that time span, that time frame. And so I remember all these things and I remember like what it was like to live during that time. And so like I feel connected to that. Yep, 100%. I think it's great to just look at the trends of the types of shows they bring back because it does speak a lot to how they're learning yeah. to connect to with their audience bases too. Absolutely. And then I could talk about the D, which is data. And that that's the last part of the Fed method. And this is really where I talk about like you be a content investigator for your brand, for your company. And this is where you're going to gather all the data that you can from okay. internal and external sources. And it's really just like a puzzle. Like you need to kind of find the different pieces and where they come together and there's obviously a lot of data out there and like, what the heck should you measure and where should it come from? It's a common question I get. So I love um, looking for insights like wherever you can. I mentioned SEO is one of my favorite places actually, because a lot of people think about SEO only in terms of like optimizing their content for SEO, like putting keywords and metadata or your website and doing things in the back end, you know, to make help your site rank in Google. But I actually love using SEO insights to inform the editorial storytelling calendar for like the whole year. Because every time I've like leaned into SEO insights on like topics that people are large swaths of people are searching for, that content's usually always in like the top 10 performers for the year for the brands. Tried and tried again. (laughs) And so it's amazing to literally just see it because I think SEO is like this huge focus group, right? Of people just searching stuff, typing stuff in. They don't know you're going to be seeing what they're searching and you never know the exact people who are, but it gives you like this big, broad, like buckets of types of themes and things. So I like that. I love like customer loyalty programs. So if a company has like their own customer group that you can mine and pull and, you know, get lots of insights out of that's amazing. Um, Social listening is wonderful, whether on your own properties or in like different groups, like Facebook groups can be interesting for that just to hear kind of the sentiment of what a lot of people are saying. I did that with during COVID and it really helped give a lot of insight into a client of mine that was talking to, had a lot of moms in their target audience group. And so I was in different mom groups because I'm a mom. And so I was in there and I was listening and there was so much guilt happening, like self-guilt that moms were laying on themselves. And moms are notorious for doing that anyway, but it was like extra awful during COVID because we were feeling all this pressure of everything even more. And so what we did was we took that insight and made actually a, a blog content series out of it that called Stop Shooting Yourself, should S-H-O-U-L-D. Because they were like, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And so it was like, stop yeah. shooting yourself. Like, And so it just when then we honed in on like the key wellness topics that were important to the brand to make it simpler and like stop putting pressure on yourself. So like that was a great example of how you take that insight and then translate it into content. 
But there's also like paid media is great. Like what's working (laughs) through your paid media results and ad targeting through your partners and um, your employees, like what feedback they can give or customer service insights and web traffic analytics and third-party studies that if you don't have any great data, like you can buy it or find it, you know, through a lot of third-party companies out there that do a lot of research that you can look into or any of your agency partners. So I just love like swathing like everyone and anyone and saying like, what do we got? And you take it all in and then you look for those kind of crossovers of like what aligns to your storytelling pillars, your three storytelling pillars, what are kind of those empathy filters you're hearing and seeing, and then also what's the data showing you. And then when you put all this together, you start to see overlap and you start to see like the things that will jump out at you that you should focus on first. Oh, very cool. At least outside of paid and outside of advertising, when you talked about like just going into the mom groups, simply just listening to what mm-hmm. they're saying and what they're talking about and what their challenges are, and then applying that back. Okay, out of everything that everyone is saying, out of all these challenges that, that, that they have, is there anything that ties back to us that we can help with? Yes. So very rarely are people really going to be talking about your brand. Moreover, from a storytelling perspective, they're going to be talking about topics and things that relate back to your brand. So like with sleep number, people may be talking about how they're tired, they're cranky, they're like trying on, they're having all these things related to sleep, but they're not necessarily mentioning that brand. And so that's what you're looking for. And that's why those three storytelling pillars are so key because you can really hone in then on what are those three areas you want to be looking for. And then you look at, well, who are our customers and what are they saying about these general topics? If it's health and well-being and sleep, like then you can kind of start to understand like pain points and questions and things around that, that you could help them on. So, or parallels of like, well, gosh, this is interesting. A lot of people are talking about this, but nobody really understands that sleep impacts that in a huge way. So that's an opportunity we can educate on that and help them. That's it. And so Mm -hmm. for me, I think when it comes to the storytelling team or whoever else is trying to do, is trying to do this listening to me, that takes some pressure off of you. You don't have to be listening about your brand or about your industry. You just simply need to be Mm -hmm. just listening. And, you know, that's why I love looking at all sorts of internal and external resources, like in insights, wherever you can get it. And companies of varying sizes are going to have varying levels of insights. But I think the challenge is with data always is if you only look at it in a silo or you only look at one source, you have to, from a storytelling perspective, look at multiple places to really start to understand what's going on with your audience. What are they thinking? What are they feeling? What are their questions? Like, and and then thinking about how can you help them? And that's what comes across in your stories. Yeah. Well, so earlier we talked about storytelling and how a lot of people are tending to throw that term around a lot, not really understanding what they're talking about or not understanding how to really apply storytelling in the right way. At the same time, I think we're hearing that with the term empathy as well. I think a lot of people are throwing the term Mm -hmm. empathy around without really understanding, here's what it means to have true Mm -hmm. empathy And here's what it means to instill empathy into your marketing, empathy into your content, into your storytelling. So how can brands make sure that they're doing empathy right? 
Yeah. Well, the the number one tip I would say to everyone listening is the easiest way tactically is literally in any of your content planning documents or strategy documents is add a section called what's the empathy filter. And that forces you to think, well, what is the reason that our audience is even going to care about this topic? And that is that goes a long way. Like literally, if it's in your content calendar, you have a column, empathy filter. You have to write it in. If it's in like a strategy document that you create for a big idea, right? Empathy filter and list in what are those reasons that this is going to matter? Because... Like I said before, like cognitive empathy is that ability to understand like how a person feels or what they may be thinking. You're not a mind reader. None of us are. But you can be informed through a lot of great data and listening and understanding of what's going on in the world at that moment with your target audience to help better connect. And so that's first and foremost, I would say that's like the number one tip is add the words, what's the empathy filter to any of your content planning docs. And if you can't answer it, Don't make that piece of content until you can figure that out. So that's first and foremost. Then it's adding the human into the story. Explain that. So a really easy way in written content, video content or anything, like in a written piece, I love to start and end the story with a quote from a real person. (laughs) It's such an easy way. It sounds so simple. But right away, you're putting like a human first versus like leading with a bunch of stats or facts or things like that. Like you want to like put your listener in the story or at least if they can't identify with that person, they can understand how that person may be feeling or what they've gone through. So it's like such an easy way to humanize the story story and create more empathy right away is put a human in the story. And when you say like starting with a quote from a human, are you saying like Mm -hmm. a real person? Yes. A real person's quote, something of them saying, and then you source them or in a video, it's them on camera, like talking about something. That's like the easiest way to start to get at that. When you have the empathy insight, then like bring it to life through a real person's story. Yeah. I think that is so key in connecting with your audience because we like to see ourselves in other stories. You know? And if we don't see ourselves in the story, we're not going to relate to it. Yeah. And you know what was so interesting is I completely agree with that. And then I was listening to a speaker talk about how even if we can't relate to it, there's such like a shared human emotions. Like we all know certain emotions and how emotions feel. Okay. And so if you can do a really good job of helping that emotion come through, then even if that person doesn't resonate with, like the person I was listening to was a black woman talking about a negative experience she had had um, that dealt with racism. Well, I haven't dealt with that personally, but her story made me cry because of how well she told it, first of all, but just that human emotion of someone not believing in her. And I think that was like a very shared emotion of like self-doubt and not feeling like someone believed in you and how sucky that feels (laughs) that I resonated with. And so I think that's important. Like you don't always have to always have the exact, not everyone's going to look like each other and be the same, but like, I think those shared emotions go a long way. Oh, wow. I've never thought about it that way, but you're right. Mm -hmm. At least you can think, I've had that feeling too. Or the way that you've described that experience, you've described it in all the right details, and you've described the emotions in a way that I can at least recognize it. Now I understand. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Wow. All right. So I've heard you talk about how empathy-driven storytelling can 
actually help a brand save money. So I think about, mm-hmm. you know, funding in our resources into our storytelling team, funding in the resources to do all the listening. We're going to spend money to do that. And then we're Mm -hmm. going to spend money to actually create this content. So how can empathy-driven storytelling actually help save money? Yeah, I love this one because it's something I stumbled on through my career, really, as you're trying to always quantify like how, you know, the value of the work you're doing and what it's driving for the business. And definitely it's always how much is it generating? But then I, the flip side, it was, well, actually, how much is it saving you? And so the example here is that, Are there stories, are there topics and things from a content perspective that you can be talking about that can actually save your company money because you're not going to have to answer all these questions as much. You can be really proactive about something instead. So the great example that I went through in my career was we had done a lot of great listening and learned there was a few different topics and questions that people were having. And so we created some content about those things put them on the site, shared them with customers. And so from a customer service like center perspective, instead of all these customers calling in and, you know, every large company can kind of quantify like what's the cost per call? Like how much does it cost us to answer all these calls or these uh, DMs or things, you know, depending on how they're servicing their, their client base. And so what you can do then is say, well, how and does that volume go down after you're sharing this content? So then instead you can say, well, instead of having to pay X number of dollars per calls, our call volume's gone down. So it's actually helping us save money. So you can look at efficiencies like that in the process of your whole organization to say, well, how does storytelling content, how does content help save us money as well as make us money by attracting, you know, our, our audience to us that we want to reach? Oh, wow. Okay. Now, now that makes sense. That makes sense to me. And that, to me, that sounds kind of like, uh, going upstream, you know, Mm -hmm. like you, you, you think about your customer experience. Well, where are things falling apart? Where are people having friction in the experience? Well, you go upstream to fix that in in the same way, where do our customers have questions about certain things? Well, let's go upstream and proactively answer those questions before they even have the question. Totally. And also too, like from your employee base, if there's efficiencies of if you give them links to certain pieces of content that they could then share and that would save them a lot of time in their day because they don't have to oh, spend yeah. as long answering something, that's efficiencies too, right? And then that, that's just more productive employee, which will save your company money that way too. There you go. In so many different ways, Empathy-driven storytelling helps drive value, find like real financial value. Yeah, 100%. Well, who are some brands who you think are doing empathy right? Well, I mentioned Dove Beauty. Obviously, they're always like a classic example. I think that REI has done a good job of tapping into their values and the stories that they share. One of my brand crushes is Spotify, which I mentioned before. I was like, you have crushes on people. They're like my brand crush. I think they do such a good job with data storytelling. Like they're just amazing. So those are some of my favorites for sure. Obviously, like my um, former employer and and client Sleep Number does a great job too of really leaning in and making it more than just a mattress. Um, They do a great job of taking a commodity product and sharing that health and wellness story. A very... um, relatable way because everybody sleeps, um, but there's a lot of emotions and health issues and things tied to it. So I think they do a great job too. 
Oh, yeah. And that goes back to what we talking about earlier. Just a reminder for any brands out there who think, well, my product is a commodity. My product is boring. This doesn't work for me. No, there's a way to make it work by not focusing so much on the product and focusing on the customer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a way to weave it. And what I say to people, just add to that is, yeah. I'm not saying don't ever mention your product. It It is a supporting role of right. how that story came to be. So you, you want to make sure you're getting some credit for it. Um, So it's not just forgotten, but it's a new, it's not the lead to your point. Of course. All right. Well, Sarah, I have learned so much from you today and I can't thank you enough for this, but where can people go to learn more? Yeah. So I would love folks, if this was interesting, you want to connect with me. I have my own podcast as well. Um, It's called Marketing with Empathy. So you can hop on over and subscribe. I'd love to hear. I I talk about these types of topics with myself and then lots of other great um, content marketers that work at brands and they're sharing what they're doing. Lots of good case studies there. Yes, there is definitely. And um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. It's my primary channel, Sarah Panous there. My website is kindredspeak.com. I also have a free I can offer up for for everyone listening to that goes even deeper than what we were able to get into today, Matt. So um, it's called three ways to improve your content strategy this year. So I'll send a link to you. You can put it in the show notes. But if you go to kindredspeak.com and there's a big favorites link at the top, if you click on that, you can also get to it that way. But I'll, I'll send it to you. So it's pretty quick. People can click through on that. I talk about like the empathy piece, but I go a lot deeper than into like how to repurpose your content to like work smarter, not harder. And then also the importance of like creating internal like content advisory boards. So you have allies to help grow your budgets and your team and support for your brand storytelling plans in the future. Excellent. Love that. Yeah. So many great ways to make sure that not only you, but then everyone else can get on board with the right way to do empathy-driven brand storytelling. Yeah, definitely. Love it. Awesome. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. This was a blast. I enjoyed talking. I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Sarah Panous. So go and visit her at kindredspeak.com. You'll get access to all of her lessons to help you create content that more easily connects with your customers. And be sure and check out her podcast, Marketing with Empathy. Sarah goes pretty deep into some of the lessons we discussed today, and she also has some insightful discussions with some pretty stellar guests on how to instill empathy into your marketing, your content, and your customer experience. If you want a good starting point, then check out episode 58, where Sarah talks to my friend Rob Volpe about his book, Tell me more about that, solving the empathy crisis one conversation at a time. And speaking of podcasts, if you're enjoying the Simple Brand Podcast, go ahead, hit that subscribe button because it's going to make it so much simpler for you to get future episodes like the next one featuring Melina Palmer. Melina is CEO of The Brainy Business, which provides behavioral economics training and consulting to businesses of all sizes all around the world. She hosts a podcast devoted to behavioral economics, The Brainy Business, Understanding the Psychology of Why People Buy. And Melina is the best-selling author of two books devoted to behavioral economics, including her latest, What Your Employees Need and Can't Tell You. And Melina is the best-selling author of two books devoted to behavioral economics, including her latest, What Your Employees Need and can't tell you. 
Melina and I discuss her lessons to help you better understand how the human brain works and adapts to change, but really, more importantly, how your employees adapt to change. And we talk through her roadmap that helps you reduce any friction when it comes to instilling organizational change and ensuring that you can get your employees on board with any change in the simplest way possible. So go ahead and subscribe. You'll automatically get Melina's episode as soon as it's live. Until then, keep it simple. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Simple Brand Podcast. Want to make your listening experience simple and automatically receive each new episode? Visit our website, simplebrandpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If you're finding value from the Simple Brand Podcast, leave us a rating or review. That helps us get the show to the ears of the people who need it most. Be sure to catch Matt right here next week. Same Matt time, same Matt channel. Until then, keep it simple.